Well, hello and welcome to episode number 61 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On the podcast today, we're going to be talking about planning for project communication disruptions. So things to think about, things maybe you might not have considered before and some of the circumstances when these disruptions can and do occur. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the All Fire website. Please do check it out for additional information and while you're there, sign up for our regular newsletter and sign up for the podcast itself to uh, receive the regular weekly um, podcasts into your uh, into your subscription of choice and find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. Planning for project communication disruptions. This is this is a, a challenge that many projects, actually, in my experience, don't really consider. Businesses, yes, businesses generally will have all sorts of contingency plans in place for for what happens if something goes wrong. What happens if they have a power outage? What happens if? Um, if a particular place, if they're operating internationally, if a particular place has a civil unrest or a natural disaster, what they're going to do. However, it tends not to come up quite so much when you're planning for a project. Um, very number of reasons around this, not least of which is that most projects occur within a business. And as such, the projects themselves tend to rely on the plans that the businesses already have pre-existing. Now, in many instances, yes, this works fine, you can get away with that. And in every instance, if there is a business plan in place, any project plans need to sit alongside of those so that there's no duplication and there's no conflict of, of concepts and approaches. But your project is a much more dynamic and transient um, thing. Your project will be happening in different locations at different times with different intensities and different criticalities. And as such, some of the requirements of a project will be different from some from a business. People will be traveling potentially a whole lot more. You'll have purchase orders and, and equipment being shipped and equipment being ordered and critical activities occurring within a project that simply may not be part of the normal business business structures. So when that earthquake or flood or tornado or cyclone or um, or civil unrest or uh, or strikes or whatever occur, the impact on your project could be completely different from the impact of a similar event or the same event, of course, on a business. Your business may only have two or three core staff based in a location, but a project may have... It may have, let's say, a couple of dozen staff based there and then a lot of transient personnel and equipment being manufactured and shipped either to or from that location. So the demands 
and the management that's required around making a safe and um, sustainable environment for a project is quite different and can be quite different from that for a business. So they need to be considered differently. They need to be considered in isolation and to be considered together. You can't always rely exclusively on the existing business sustainability plan to help you with your project. So a few things that we would recommend you need to uh, you need to consider when you're planning within your project for disruptions would be, well, obviously, first and foremost, the safety of all personnel. Now, this doesn't matter whether those personnel are junior people or senior people. It doesn't matter whether they're traveling or they're permanent in-country personnel. You need to make sure that the people that work for your business are going to be appropriately protected. So you can't just have a plan to evacuate a couple of senior leaders who are visiting a country and then leave all of the local people and the and the expats based there stranded to try and survive. You have to have a plan that's going to make sure everybody gets properly looked after. Now, plans and parts of the plans that would sit around this, an extensive and consistently maintained register of locations of anyone travelling, so both this would be both the expat personnel who may be based in a country for a few months or a few years and someone who's just visiting anywhere in your business empire for a day or a week. These plans all need to be maintained ideally centrally so that if an incident happens in one place, someone can quite quickly access a database or a register and see everybody who's based there, staff who are based there and live there and staff who are visiting. Once you know who those people are, you then need to have accurate and uh, current and up-to-date emergency contact details for all personnel. Now, this would include personnel uh, themselves, so their their direct numbers, their mobile phone numbers, their email addresses, their where they're living, where they're staying. It would also include contact details for their next of kin, for their family, for any spouse, for any accompanying family members as well. So, if you've got if you've got an expat based in the country and um, and your expat personnel you've got contact details for, but you don't have contact details for their spouse, for their partner, for their uh, for whomever, you need to make sure that you actually do collect all of that information as well. Now it needs to be kept safe and secure, but you should have it all because you never know that something may occur and you may need to contact. Let's say you've got an expat person and for some reason they're out of country when an incident happens. That doesn't mean that you can then just leave their family members to try and survive on their own. You need to make sure that at every location has safe and well documented and well explained and well shared muster points and uh, and evacuation plans and meeting points and so forth as well, so that people know where to go in the event of an incident. Um, if they have an earthquake that damages a building, where do people? go to where do they shelter where do they seek shelter in a in a cyclone event um, so that everybody knows where to go and everybody knows how to contact everybody else and then within that you need a sense of community so that the people themselves will actually actively look out and look after one another um, and and that they'll maintain their own registers and they'll maintain their own lists of people it's also very common and recommended practice and i would definitely recommend that any expats that are visiting or spending time in another country register with the embassy or the consulate of their nationality while they are there. So if you've got uh, if you've got people in in another in another land, 
um, they should register so that their consul also knows that they're there. So if it comes down to it and you need to arrange for consular protection and consular evacuation, that those consul personnel know where those people are and they also have their contact details. So should something happen that means that the business itself is unable to extract or support these people, at least there are diplomatic means as well that can be used. So once you've made sure that your people are all well protected and have uh, have the the requisite ways to to ensure that they're safe, the next thing to think about is your project assets and your project information. Now, most disaster plans will have something in there for uh, for data recovery and data protection and data and data security, but uh, again, it depends on the architecture that you're running. If in in the not that distant past. Many projects would have local servers in each location and it would be physical server in a building somewhere in that location where all of the equipment, uh, where all the data was stored for that part of the project. As time has moved on and as, and as it's become increasingly common for people to have cloud-based servers, this risk is less of, um, of a country-by-country country thing and it's more of, a, of an IT from a global perspective in terms of how you make sure your data is safe. But having access to the right kinds of data, and this can even be having the right access to the communications that you need so that you can call your people to tell them where to to muster for for an evacuation. If that's sitting on a server, and if you've had a major power outage and you are unable to access the data from that server, then you may as well not have that document in the first place. So you need to have that often as a physical paper artifact on, in the hands of several of the key personnel on the project, for instance, or stored in mobile phones or pinned to the wall in people's um, in people's accommodation. Whatever your choice is, you need to have ways where you can access some of these things in a safe way. Project data itself, obviously you need to make sure that that's stored safely, that it's stored in a way where it can be recovered quickly and easily, and that anything which is critical, which is which is required for for the rapid restart of the project as soon as the whatever the incident is is cleared and and things come back to life again so that you've got quick and easy access to that now sometimes you need to be careful about things like regular recurring bill payments um accommodation payments and so forth for people who are who are in rented or or um or hotel type accommodation you may you may find that if you have a problem of some description if those payments cease to happen some people may find themselves without somewhere to sleep or somewhere to live so you need to be very conscious of those sorts of things but from a project perspective you also need to make sure that you can get access in country where needed to whatever data the people need as quickly as possible once things start to restore so the third point to consider is how you would restore services um, when it's and when you would restore them, so it would this would depend on the situation and the circumstance. If it's um, if it's a, a just a major power outage for whatever reason, let's say there's a fire in a in a train a power station, all the power goes out in the region where you're based for a period of time. Then as soon as the power is restored, you're back and you're and you're up and running. If it's an earthquake or if it's um, a major cyclone that passes through, you may be out of, offline for an extended period. Um, if it's civil unrest, if it's uh, if it gets to the point where you want to start to withdraw people, then it's again you may be out of country for an extended period. You need to work out what you're going to do with the data, what you're going to do with the people, and how you're going to make it 
to the point where when and if you decide to restore the project where you'll get everything back from and how you'll get it back up and running in a timely way so there's multiple things that need to be considered some can be documented many can't so it's it's often more of a case of making sure that you have a restoration plan and then as and when you need to put it back into action you have a way to do so which brings of course to to plans to restore communications themselves and again communications is such an integral part how will you keep in touch with everybody how will the people who are expats and who are not normally domiciled wherever this incident happens how will they contact and ensure that their family knows that they're safe and that everything's going well Um, will that be direct person to person or will that be through uh, a list of of people who are who are fit and well being sent by the chief person in that country to someone in another office who will then contact all those people you need to have plans for around all of these things you also make need to make sure that that uh, that you have ways where you can restore appropriate communications for the project as and when things come back online and this can be ha- things like having a fallback from um from a conventional copper-based telephony system onto a VOIP or onto a networked system of some description. It could be where you've got a, a fallback from mobile onto landline or from landline onto mobile and so forth. There's many different ways and you need to be conscious of this dependent on the environment that you're in, keeping in mind that not every country and not every location has the same depth and level of integrity of communications systems. And then the last point that we would make is to have a realistic emergency responsibilities matrix. Now, in some instances it can be that everything is working fine, but for some reason there's been a major breakdown in communications. It may be that um, that you may be working on a very remote project somewhere. You may be reliant on a standalone, let's say you're reliant on a standalone um, satellite-based communications platform, that uh, where you have your own dish on your plant, your dish communicates to a satellite, satellite back to ground, and then the ground goes onto the network. That satellite would be there to share both data and audio and voice and everything else kinds of communications. You And if that goes down for whatever reason, um, whatever, doesn't really matter what it is, something breaks on the satellite and you're not going to be able to use it for a period of time, you need to have a communications and responsibility matrix that makes sure, firstly, that, that everybody back at home base knows that everybody that's on the other end of the dish is safe and well. But beyond that, you need to have ways whereby the people who are in the field, who are now isolated from the home office because of the failure of this dish, that they know what their responsibilities are, that they know that they can proceed on certain aspects of the project and they can do so without without getting into trouble when everything gets restored because if you've got people who are unsure of their responsibilities and their um, and their level of authority they may possibly just down tools and sit and wait until the satellite gets restored or until communications gets restored by which time your project could have got into serious trouble if if things just haven't been happening so you need a, you need a, a matrix which gives everybody clear authority in terms of what they can do and of course what they can't do in the event of a failure. So those five points again would be the safety of all personnel to be considered first, 
protection of project assets and information would be the next priority. Plans for restoration of services would be next, along with plans to restore communications. And then alongside all of this would be a realistic responsibilities matrix in the event of various types of emergencies. So all of these things are well worth considering when you're setting up your project, particularly if it's a project where you've got people who will be in and then out quite quickly. Um, you can have a template that you produce that uh, that gets used across the whole of a project, and then you just modify it and customize it on a on a on a location by location basis. That's actually quite a good way to go because it means as people move around, they're going to be familiar with with the format of these sorts of documents and the format of instructions that sit with them. So they're not going to be suddenly faced with a completely different set of um, of disruption matrix and disruption um, guidelines in a different location. And above all of this, of course, while you while you prepare for the worst, you of course hope for the best. And you sincerely do hope that you never need to put any of these into into action. That you'll just have them there, and they'll be they'll be almost like a little talisman sitting on the shelf, never needing to be touched. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, then please do check us out. We're at www.allfire.com.au, and of course while you're there, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed. There's a page on the website which links you straight through to subscriptions for iTunes and Stitcher and um, and Google Play and so forth. Um, there's also a newsletter that we produce once a, once every couple of weeks. And there's a subscription page on the website again to to let you sign up for that. And beyond that, of course, just please do check us out from time to time. And if there's anything we can do to help you with your virtual team communications needs, then please do get in touch. And I look forward to speaking to you in future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.